0: praise the lord well it is our birthday this morning how many know that we're one year old here in evansville so isn't that awesome give yourself a hand that's not an easy thing to go through a one year of growing pains and i appreciate everybody being patient through our growing pains and uh uh quite amazingly i think uh we went all the way through the book of galatians first thessalonians second thessalonians and then a quick uh 11 part series through revelation that i'm doing part 11 today so we we've been through we've covered some ground in a year and uh and just amazing how god has taken us through uh this year it's been uh like i said it's not it's it's probably one of the hardest things you'll ever do in church is plant a new church in the middle of a city so uh really a great job by everybody and i just want to point that out last uh year at this time uh makai ministries they came on our second sunday Um, So we were just two weeks old when they came last year. So quite amazing. Just uh, something that popped in my mind last week. Um, If you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21. This is part, uh, I'm sorry, part 10. Next time I preach will be part 11. Part 10 of the series, The End. And this one's entitled, The New Heaven and New Earth. It says in Revelation chapter 21. And pay real careful attention to the wording here, because this morning as we study this, there are two halves of Revelation 21. The first half is the presentation of the ideal, and I get this, that there will be a totally new heavens and a totally new earth. And when you think about that, that should kind of blow your mind. We're used to the current earth and the current heavens. But the Bible is saying something literally earth-shattering. Um, there's going to be a new heaven created and a new earth created, and the old one's going to pass away. We're going to see that said twice in this chapter. Now, the second half of Revelation 21 is a description of what it's going to look like in the new heavens and the new earth. And so we all have our idea of what heaven looks like, but we need to pay careful attention to these words Because this is going to be the thing that every person of faith through the Bible, they were pursuing this city. And so I was going to do it all in one week, but now I realize that it would be a very long sermon to do the first half and the second half of Revelation 21. So today we're going to talk about the idea of a new heaven and a new earth. And then next sermon, which will be in a couple weeks, I'll go over exactly the description of what it looks like. Because I don't know that a lot of Christians can give a real good description of what heaven and what it's going to look like. You know, we have an ideal that we've seen in movies and cartoons and hearsay. And so we want to be very, uh, and I think you'll be surprised at what you see from the scripture today. But let's be very careful here. It says, then I saw, this is John speaking, a new heaven and a new earth. So John is actually witnessing What the new heaven and new earth looks like. So we want to really hear what he has to say. This is the last of John's visions that he has. For the first heaven and the first earth, which is the one we live on right now, what happened? It had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of where? Out of heaven. From God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from where? From the throne, saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. So what is among the people? The place where God was living is now among the people. Not the people among where God is living. God is living now among the people. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. How many of you would like to see no more pain and no more crying? And Hallelujah, this is a wonderful thing. No more crying or pain, for the old order of things has what? Passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask you today that you would use me to speak your word. You said it is faithful and true, meaning it it doesn't lie, Lord. It's going to happen just like the you said it would happen lord and uh, let me uh, speak that today and let it be heard and let it be um um or let it be something that we live by every day lord and in your name we pray lord jesus and uh, everybody says amen hallelujah hallelujah i was um today we're going to we're going to try to explain the difference between final perfection and current imperfection. And this is very difficult to explain what the world is going to look like in the new heaven and the new earth because we're used to the current heaven and the current earth. And so in order to explain this, one thing I'm going to talk about just as an illustration is one day, and you may have had moments like this in your life, but I remember roughly about 15, 20 years ago, um, I had been on my property, you know, 30 acres, rolling hills, beautiful day, it was warm, I had a new tractor, you know, it's an old tractor that looked really nice, and was driving it, you know, for the first few months, and uh, there's something about being on that tractor, and clearing that land, and that land's all cleared off, and that sun is shining the right way, and and I could just remember on that tractor one day with a nice breeze. Um, it was around 2005, 2006. And I can remember just driving around. You know, that was a fulfilled dream to live on that 30 acres. It was the perfect day with a perfect breeze. I could look off at my property and I could see my wife uh, playing with my two little boys. They were at the time, Jonathan was nearly two years old. Josiah was about four years old. I could see all my kids in the yard, all doing well, sitting on the property. I was in my thirties. I was young. I was healthy, serving the Lord, everybody in the household, serving the Lord with me. And how many have ever had a moment in life where you just stopped and you said, man, this is perfect. And for some reason, that moment stands out in my mind Because I remember telling God, thank you. That this is, this is perfect. And so what I'm trying to explain to you is the difference between final perfection and current imperfection. Because I remember thinking that to myself, saying, this is perfect. And at that time, the Holy Spirit, uh, as I was saying thank you, God was very happy that I was thankful. But God was saying, it's still not perfect. And I remember thinking to myself, what do you mean it's not perfect? And he said, well, right now, you worry about your kids. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? What's going to happen as they grow up? You know, right now, your business is doing well. But man, if I could have predicted 2005 to 2022... Man, I would have, I I would have just gave up then, you know? And, uh, even though your business is doing well, you, you know, you're always worried about, you know, the right amount of money, paying the bills, doing this and doing that. And how many know even on our best day, we still live in imperfection? We still have to worry about sickness. We still have to worry about tears. We still have to worry about, uh, uh, the things that he mentioned, pain. How many know, you know, all of these things are imperfections that are in this current world. And so when we're presented with final perfection, we don't even understand it. Because literally our best day on this earth doesn't compare with our first day in eternity. And so it's hard for us to even... We think we can, we can picture this, but we just can't. How many agree with me? We just can't hardly even fathom it. Because we don't know a day without pain. We don't know a day without worry. We don't know a day without anxiety. And and so God, I think, really wants us to want this. And I think this is what he intended things to be, but he had some things that he wanted to teach uh, us. And I think the world that we currently live in, the Bible speaks many times that it is a training ground for the world to come. It's a very small snippet of eternity that we're living in. Eternity is very long and what we're living in is very short. And um, and so God has this perfection. And in chapter 21, he begins to roll it out. And so just to give you a, um, um, just to update you on what I spoke on last time, we finished with uh, Revelation chapter 20. And at the end of Revelation chapter 20, we find the millennial reign. And at the end of the millennial reign, we find the great white seat judgment and I told you that at the, after, at the end of that judgment, Satan, um, the Antichrist, the false prophet, they're thrown into the lake of fire. They meet their final end. And then there's the great white throne judgment. But I want you to really, in order to understand 21, you have to kind of follow the words at the end of 20. It says, then I saw the great white throne and him who see, was seated on it. Listen to this next verse, very mysterious. The earth and the heavens fled from His presence. Okay, when you flee from the scene, what are you doing? You're vacating. Heaven and earth at this point flees from His presence. And then it says, And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. The dead weren't judged out of the book of life. Their name was not in there. They were judged by the things that they did. How many would rather be in the book of life where the Bible says your sins aren't even held against you? But they weren't judged by that book because their name wasn't in it. They were judged by the other books that were open. Um, Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the book. So C gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So this is very important because at the moment that they are laid bare and every wicked person from the beginning until that point, they are brought before the great white throne judgment. The righteous have already been crowned, and already have been dressed, and already have been prepared. They're already with Jesus, but all of the wicked have been gathered. And but what I want you to pay attention to is, the earth and the heavens fled. Where did they go? Where did the heavens and the earth go but you say, well, that doesn't mean anything. It just means that uh, it was clearing the path to see the wicked. But then you go to verse twenty, chapter 21, verse 1, right after that. Then it says, then. So it happens immediately after that moment, right? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, what? They passed away. And then I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Do you know that when the earth Fled from his presence, the heavens and the earth. That is the moment that God said the earth passed away. The earth passed away and behold, there is a new heaven now and a new earth. So God is beginning to completely renovate the earth and the heavens. It's all gone. It won't even be remembered anymore. It's passing away. When all the, when the last wicked person is gone in the lake of fire... God begins his renovation project. And we need to know this. In the Old Testament, they were expecting this city that God was bringing out of heaven. I want you to picture this. This is a. How many agree this is a city that is coming out of heaven onto the earth? And the earth is not going to be the same earth. It will be recreated, a completely new earth and a completely new heavens. And out of the heaven that God dwells in, his dwelling place will come on the earth. This is heavy stuff. Isaiah sixty-five seventeen says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. That's a prophecy from the Old Testament. Isaiah 66 says, As the new heavens and the new earth I will make uh, endure before me. How many know that this earth is wearing out? This earth can't continue to go on. The sun cannot continue to burn Forever. This, this galaxy that we live in, uh, is wearing out this, everything around us is wearing out. It was not made to endure forever. It was made to be recreated. Like God said he was going to do. And so there's going to be a new order of things. It says the heavens and the earth, the new heavens, and new earth, I will make will endure before me declares the Lord. So will your name and your descendants endure. Peter says this in 2 Peter 3.11, it says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? So what is going to be destroyed? Everything. You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed speed its coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat, but in keeping with the promise, we're looking now. um, Okay, here's the end of it. And you'll look forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. And so God says that there is a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Look at verse 2. This is Revelation 21, 2. It says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. So what, one thing I want you to look at right now, we've we pictured in our mind what heaven looks like, haven't we? And we always think of heaven as where? Up, right? And for very good reason, because Mark 6.41, Jesus receives the lunch of bread and fish from a boy, and he says, he looks up to heaven, and he blessed it and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. John 17.1, Jesus began to pray. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, at the very end of his earthly ministry... Uh, Jesus on the Mount of Olives, and it says he lifted his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Book of Acts, it says, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. So every time we see heaven, where is it at? Up. And so the Bible says that he's going to recreate the heavens and the earth. And so one thing you have to understand is, that the heavens and the earth, they're, in fact, listen to the scripture from Paul. Second Corinthians chapter 12, it says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. So what is Paul talking about? He was talking about himself, most likely, having a vision and being caught up into the third heaven. And so you say, well, the third heaven, I don't even know what the first and the second heavens are. Well, the first heaven is where we live. How many know the air, the atmosphere, the sky, everything that we live in, the Bible calls the first heaven. The second heaven is literally the space, planets, everything that is around us, the solar system, the Bible calls the second heaven. And God created it, and we see in the day of the week that God created it. But then the third heaven is the dwelling place of God. And that dwelling place of God has always been called the third heaven. Well, Paul had a vision where he was able to go to the third heaven. And we see John is having a very similar vision right now. And in the book of Revelation, he's able to see this third heaven where God dwells. And how many know the tabernacle was made in a pattern? It wasn't the original. It was patterned after heaven. And so here's God in the third heaven. And he says, when when he says, I'm going to recreate the heavens and the earth, he's talking about the earth that we live on. And he's talking about that first heaven and that second heaven. So he's going to recreate our atmosphere, our sky. He's going to recreate the solar system. But what happens to the third heaven? It becomes connected with the earth. And he's going to live with us. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought I was going to go live with him. How many read that where it says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. It came down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from where the throne of God. And he said, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. And the old order of things have passed away. And so you begin to see that um, there is a city that's going to come from that third heaven. In fact, that third heaven is so distant from us that you remember when Lazarus died and Jesus uh uh, told the story about Lazarus and the rich man. And it says, literally, when he died, how did he get to heaven? The angels literally had to take him there because of the distance. We don't even know where it's at. It's somewhere in the heavens, and we don't know where the third heaven is at. But wherever it's at, we literally, in order to get there, have to be escorted there by the angels. And so you say, well, wait a minute, this is my theology. This is what I've always understood and that is that, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be escorted to heaven. And I'm going to see those pearly gates. How many have ever heard it said that way? How many know that this city coming down from heaven has the pearly gates? And it's going to be on the earth? I hate to blow your theology. Now, we will have already seen that heavenly city because when we die, where do we go? In the presence of the Lord, after the seven year tribulation, where do we go with him to rule and reign in the millennial kingdom on earth. And then after the thousand years are done, what's going to happen? That heavenly city is going to be connected with the earth and God is going to dwell with us on a new heaven and a new earth. And so heaven and earth, will all be connected. There'll be no distance between the two. And God is finally going to live with his people. And you say, well, man, I've never heard this before, Chad. All I've heard is Peter is sitting at the pearly gates. And, the, and he tells a lot of jokes at that gate, right? <clears throat> Hebrews 11.10 says, this is about Abraham. It says, for he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, what city is Abraham looking for? Okay, I want you to really carefully look at this, though. Abraham, the Bible says, um, the father of faith was preached the gospel in advance. So Abraham knew about this city. Now, where is the city that he's talking about? It's the only one in the Bible that comes out of heaven and is for the righteous. It's this city, New Jerusalem, that comes out of heaven onto the earth. Okay, it's that city that Abraham was looking for. In fact, he gave up everything, never received in his lifetime, but his whole life he was looking for that city and that's what it means to have faith. It means that, hey, I'm willing to give up everything in this world for that city that's coming out of heaven. Let me give you some more here. Revelate, or go down a little bit further in uh, verse 13 of Hebrews 11 and we see more of the faithful. It says, these all died not having received the promises Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Do you see how specific that is? They're looking for a country that is not on this earth. They're looking for one that isn't presently here, but it's coming. And so it says they're looking For a country, they become strangers and pilgrims on earth in their lifetime. They have not received it, but they're looking for a city just like Abraham, whose builder and maker is God. Do you recognize that all the people of faith are looking for this city in Revelation 21 that's going to come on the earth from heaven? Hallelujah. I'm happy that I get to see that city early. That I get to spend seven years in that city and see what it's like and look. I don't want to wait Millennial Kingdom to see that city. I want to see it now. And I think we still have access to that city all through that period of time. But then it says, um, here's what the believers are looking for. This is Hebrews again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. What's the heavenly Jerusalem? It's that city that's coming out of heaven. Couldn't set it any clearer. It's the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels who are in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the meteor of the new covenant and the sprinkled blood that speaks better words than the blood of Abel. He's trying to tell them how great Jesus is. And he said, he's given you the heavenly Jerusalem where thousands upon thousands of angels are singing in joyful assembly. How many would like to walk in that city? Where thousands upon thousands of angels. This is the heavenly Jerusalem that's coming down in Revelation 21. Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews 13, 14 says... For here, we do not, for here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Then I tell you, this city's not going to endure. It's all going to be destroyed. And God is going to give us a city that is able to endure forever. It won't wear out. The laws of nature will be different in that new city, in that new heaven, in that new earth. Uh, here's one that I really like. When I was a kid, I'll tell you a story here. When I was a kid, there was a pastor that I had that was just a pioneer, uh, in this city and was one of the first, uh, uh, Pentecostal preachers that really, really all the Assembly of God churches in this area came from that, uh, ministry. And when he died, uh, I remember them saying that his favorite song was Beulah Land. How many have ever heard that song, Beulah Land? And, uh, there was a real famous singer that came in and sang that at his funeral. And I, I thought to myself, man, what a strange name. I don't I don't understand why he... How would that be his favorite? You know, because I didn't understand the song. And so I remember when I was young, I thought, man, I want to figure out what that means. You know, because the song's a great song. The lyrics are great. But um, in, he, in Isaiah chapter 62, it says, For Zion's sake, it's the only place where Beulah is in the Bible. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication, all the kings your glory. You will be called by a new name, the mouth the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem in the hand of God. No longer will they call you deserted. No longer will they call you desolate. But you will be called Hetzvah and your land will be called Beulah. And so what that means is Beulah means married. Your land will be married to God. Meaning uh, in that day, God will take you as a bride. He'll recreate the heavens and the earth and you'll live in unity with God forever. And so Beulah is that one word in the Bible that represents that city that is married to God and everything is imperfect. And like I said, I'm going to say it again. Um, the word we're looking for is final perfection where we don't have any worries, we don't have any fears, we're in perfect safety. That's what Beulah represents. It's Beulah land because it's the land that is married to God. Um, as we go on, the second thing that I notice about this, um, just to show you some of the language here, it says, um, you know, when it says that the uh, city, <clears throat> the whole, he saw the holy city... New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. And and like I said, that is kind of shocking because so many of us believe it's up there still, right? Because it is there at this moment, but it's coming down to us. And you say, well, man, I've never heard that in the Bible, but I want to take you to a few places. John describes it in this verse as the city coming down out of heaven from God. Jesus is speaking to the Church of Philadelphia in Revelation three twelve, and he says, "Which comes down out of heaven from my God." How about that? And then in Revelation twenty one ten, it says, "Descending out of heaven from God." Now listen to now re listen to some of these verses from uh, Paul and Peter. In Colossians one five, Paul says this. The faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. So where is it stored up for us, all of our riches? In heaven. First Peter 1.4 says, And into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. That makes you think a little different in those scriptures, doesn't it? So where is our inheritance stored? In heaven, and one day I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna get it, right? It's gonna come down to me. And God is gonna live among us, and God is gonna recreate the heavens and the earth, and heaven and earth will be connected. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Uh, The proclamation from heaven in verse 3, it says, Behold, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So very carefully if you go through these scriptures, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. It doesn't say men are with the tabernacle of God, which is in heaven. It says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Then it says, He will dwell with them. He shall be, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe their tears. So as you begin to look here, you begin to see that God is going to make His tabernacle with men. How many of you know that this city, as I begin to describe, describe it next week, it's 1,500 miles high? 1,500 miles is from Canada all the way to Mexico, okay? It's from Denver, Colorado, all the way to the coast of the Atlantic, okay? That's 1,500 miles. This city that is coming down is 1,500 miles high, which means somehow the recreated heaven and the earth, we literally can live 1,500 miles up somehow. And it's 1,500 miles one direction, 1,500 miles another direction. It's shaped like a cube. Do you know the only other thing in the Bible that it describes as uh, 15 wide, 15 long, and 15 high? The tabernacle. God said he would tabernacle with men in that one place. Right? Right? And now we have a giant cube that God says, I will tabernacle with men on the earth. And I'm going to give you some numbers uh, next time I preach about how much acreage that everybody's going to have. We're used to hearing acreage, right? You know, 10 acres, a lot of acres, 15 acres, a lot of acres. How many you know them? one mile is a lot more than acres, okay? Can you imagine, as we break down the numbers, you're going to have... Uh, Just seeing the numbers of the faithful over time, and seeing how big this city is, you're literally going to have. If if you wanted to be isolated on your own property with the, you know, the amount of measurements we have here, it's something like thirty miles high, thirty miles wide, and thirty miles long for every individual that's there. (laughs) That's how big this is. Um, I'm going to explain it next week. This thing is going to have literally. Imagine a city that's that big that everything, every street, is made out of gold that is clear. Translucent, shiny gold on every street. In fact, I was reading one guy who was talking about it and he was saying that uh, when you drive into New York City, he said, you see the beautiful skyscrapers. You see the beautiful buildings and the beautiful architecture. And how many have ever drove into New York City and just been amazed? Like to stand at the base of a skyscraper is shocking. I've never stood at the base and not been able to see the top of it. But all you see is clouds when you stand at the base of a skyscraper. And he said, when you look at it, you think, man, what an amazing city um, that we have built. And it just takes your breath away. He said, but then you start to think about it. And uh, he started going into the fact that then you start thinking about the underbelly of the city. You start to think about how many rats are in that city, uh, how they have a hotline for rats in that city if you find them, and just all the organized crime, all the murders, all the wickedness, and then all of a sudden that city kind of loses its luster, doesn't it? But this is a city that's been specially created, every detail of it. Do you know that when I go into the details next week, the walls are literally made out of uh, precious stones, which you don't know how that looks, but what that looks like is a rainbow. It's every color of stone is on the walls. The cities are literally made of translucent gold. And we're going to go into the details next time I preach of the city. But this is an amazing thing um, that God is promising this city. And um, But as we go on, this has been God's desire even from the very beginning. Uh, Listen to this. In Leviticus 26, way back in Leviticus, listen to what He says. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Doesn't that sound a lot like the Garden of Eden? When God walked with them in the cool of the day, and this is the last two chapters of the Bible, and it's restoring what we had before, only a lot better. (laughs) And God is able to finally walk with his people in Revelation 21. It's what everything is all about. And that was all the way back in Leviticus 26. Um, And then he says in 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says, What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. There it is again. I mean, no, God is working toward this city. He's in us, but we're working toward that city. Or we're going to see it one day. It's going to come out of heaven. We're going to look at it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to see it. And every person of faith has lived their life based on that city. And then we see another proclamation from the throne. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. How many know when God says... Write this down, everything that I'm about to tell you is trustworthy and true. He's saying that this is not an allegory, this is not a dream. In fact, he uses it as bookends. He does it here, and then he goes all the way on, and then in 22 he says it again as two bookends that are basically saying, write it down because everything I'm saying is true. You can live your life by it. What I'm saying, and and God gives, when, when I get into this next sermon you're going to see the details are so detailed on heaven, like the measurements, what it looks like, what the walls look like, what the streets look like. It's so detailed that God would not go through that detail unless it was a true thing. And so God is trying to tell us, write it down. It's faithful and it's true and it's trustworthy. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost. From the spring of the water of life, those who are victorious will inherit what? All of this. I will be their God, they will be my children, but the cowardly, now look at this. He, he wants to make sure, again, everybody understands. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the, that's actually drugs if you look that up, that's pharmacolized. The idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fire lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. How many know that God has died to remove our sins? God has died to wash our sins away. God wants every living human being to find forgiveness and grace so they can enter the city. God wants us all to enter this city and that's why he's stating it again. How many know not everybody goes to heaven? And that's why you've got to have faith like Abraham that says, every day of my life, I'm moving toward that city. I'm receiving his grace. How many of you know if any of us were judged by the things that we did? How many know that there's not a single one of us that would be in that city? Can I say that again? Let me get down here and make sure everybody hears me. If any one of us were judged by the things that we've done, none of us would be in that city. The Bible says we have all come short of what? The glory of God. Meaning to receive that glory in that kingdom, all of us have come short. But the Bible says, blessed is the man whose sins are not held against him. And so grace is the thing that gives us entrance into this kingdom. And, And he's stating this again in Revelation 21, just so we understand that he died for something very substantial. He died so we can have entrance into this place where he can live with us. But how many noticed in the end of 20, he's making sure everything is removed before he recreates the new heaven and the new earth and that city comes down. So he's making sure, and and he says it again, nobody will have entrance. Um, and, And so it's the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the lamb's book of life. You say, well, wait a minute, I may have done something wrong. As long as your name is in the lamb's, Book of life, and you say, Well, man, how do I get there? You confess your sins, you receive the grace of God. Like I said, let me say it again. If any of us were judged by the things that we did, none of us would make it in. But if our name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, that means blessed is the man whose sins are not held against him. And so we're judged by that name. We have an advocate with the Father. If we're not in the Book of Life, If we haven't confessed, we haven't believed in Christ, we don't have the faith like Abraham, we will not enter that city. And can I tell you something? I wouldn't give anything uh, to lose the ability to walk in that city. Can you imagine? And I'm going to give you a great description next time I preach. That second half is going to be much more enjoyable than this first half. Because I'm going to tell you what it's like when you walk in and you see the thousands of angels singing. Do you know that that pearl gate is one giant pearl? on each of the gates and there's three on every side (laughs) what you've heard about heaven isn't adequate okay obviously you haven't heard everything about it because you still think it's up there and you don't realize it's coming down and so we need to know the details what's it going to look like what am i working for every day isn't it worth it to work a hundred years for eternity (laughs) You know, just to say, man, I'm going to have faith to the very end. I'm not letting go of my faith. I'm going to hold on to the blood of Jesus. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I'm going to be like Abraham. And I'm going to go for that city whose builder and maker is God. Because this is not my home. I, I exchange it for what I'm getting ready to have. And how many live every day thinking about that place? Hallelujah. Ryan, come on up. Man, your songs were so geared toward this today. Just so geared. I don't know if you guys heard the words. But every song that he sang... This morning I was thinking, that's it, <laughs> that's it, <laughs> hallelujah. Church, we got a dream about this place. You need to know Revelation 21, hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Everybody stand to your feet. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Before we pray, I was thinking all week, uh, I was thinking about that song when the saying I don't even know the origin of that song, it could be something terrible. But when the saints come marching in, and you know, I want to be in that number, <laughs> can you imagine? I don't think we even in our minds can fathom what it'll be like to, to be in a place um, where there is perfection, where there's no pain, no tears, no disease, no sickness, no death, and uh, the beauty of that city is just going to be overwhelming. And uh, I just can't imagine, and I hope you dream about it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. And uh, Lord, you have built this city, Lord, um, for us as a reward, Lord. You're storing it right now in heaven. And Lord, it's going to, one day, we're going to see that city, Lord. In fact, when I open my eyes, Lord God, after I leave this world, I'll see that city, Lord. And Lord, first, we, we just want to thank you, Lord, that you love us that much. And Lord, I just pray right now that your people would just dream about it. In the worst days we have here, the best days we have here, let us dream about that first day with you, Lord. And uh, Lord, I think that uh, every Christian, Lord, should dream about this place. That's builder and maker is God. And Lord, I just pray for those who are not right with God. Lord, that their eternity lays in a balance, Lord God. Lord, as long as there's breath, they have hope, but when the breath is gone, there is no hope, Lord. And I just pray that they would see your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace, and would not miss, Lord God, this heavenly city that you have in store for the righteous. Lord, that they would leave this world behind, Lord, and... uh, Seek a place whose builder and maker is God, Lord. I pray that you put that in every heart this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Just find a place to pray if you need prayer. If you're not right with the Lord, you need to get right today. There may not be another day. And if you are right, you need to be very thankful because our future is so bright. Very, very bright. Hallelujah. hallelujah I uh, I just want you to think for a minute those who uh, knew the Lord and have gone before us what are they seeing right now they're seeing that heavenly city that's waiting in store for us church i don't even know if you can fathom that to wake up in the presence of the lord and just imagine what they're experiencing right now i hope that makes you a little jealous (laughs) we thought we were the lucky ones (laughs) but if you know the lord if you don't know the lord that's not the case we all understand that right but if you know the lord Man, just imagine what they are experiencing right now and imagine what we will experience that first moment after we open our eyes in eternity. And that's how you got to live your life every day with that in mind. Comfort yourself with that thought of being in the presence of the Lord and what He has in store for those who love Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's do that. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would just fill your people full of expectation, Lord. Lord, and let them know that it's all worth it, Lord. Faith is worth it, Lord God. That's why Hebrews was written, Lord. That's why Revelation was written, Lord God, because it is so worth it, Lord God, for the glory that is set before us, Lord lord let us live lord god with that expectation and hope of heaven lord lord that we can uh, be faithful to you every day and worship you and love you and give you the glory that you deserve and the honor and the praise lord you're high above every principality every power every sickness lord every other everything in this world that we experience lord Lord, you're high above it all, Lord. Oh, Lord, we just worship you today. We praise you and we love you and we thank you. Bless your people as they go today, Lord. Put your blessing upon them in your name. I pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said...